This message was presented at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. All right, timestamp 1045. We're going to get started here. Welcome to our second installment for this track on Sabbath School. It is entitled Death of Sabbath School, Death of Sabbath School. And if I don't know if you're following the, the trend, it says life, death, and resurrection, not of Jesus, but of Sabbath school, and it's kind of a play on words there. And if you're not uh, wanting to be part in the Sabbath school, you are welcome to leave at this time. But otherwise, please put on your, your seatbelts and your, 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 your seatbacks straight and your table trays, whatever they say. All right, we'll have a word of prayer, and uh, we'll get started here for our second session. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for having blessed us in our first session. Now, as we get into the second part of why Sabbath schools are dying, we ask for your blessing. Uh, Bless our words, bless our conversation, bless our thoughts, and uh, Lord, bring out those things that need to be brought up, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, We have a small group. I'm going to do this. I like to do this just to get your participation. For those of you who are here for the first session, please raise your hands. God bless you. Down. This is your first time here in this room. Please raise your hands. Oh, 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 oh. God bless you. You're still welcome. Uh, we, uh, you, so you're here for the death of Sabbath school, but you didn't come for the life of Sabbath school. So, okay. That's an interesting dynamic. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll post-analyze that in my mind afterwards. Um, we are in a time where Sabbath school is on the decline. I don't know if you noticed, but Sabbath school, we jacked it. We stole it from the Sunday people. It was originally called Sunday school, and we got, got it from the Sunday people, and we call it Sabbath school because it's on Sabbath. Uh, we actually got it from uh, different denominations. The first, according to my research here, was started in England by a guy named Robert Rakes but I was, in the 1700s. But later I found out it was actually start, start, started by a woman named Hannah Ball, where she wanted to train her kids after the way of Wesley and Luther. So she got all these kids together in that time in the 1700s in England. They were all working. They were all dirty. Uh, and they didn't know how to read. And they were all, you know, preteens and whatnot. And what happened is these group of Methodists, and they called them Arminians at that time, got all the kids together. And they taught them how to take baths, how to look clean, how to comb their hair, how to read, how to walk a single file. Walk, and this became the precursor to the English-British Uh, school system. Um, In the 1950s and 1960s, Sabbath school was at its apex. Sabbath school and Sunday school, both were at its apex. Something happened in the 70s and 80s, as we talked about in a previous seminar. In 2004 to 2010, Lutheran churches were down in their Sabbath school involvement 40%. In the United Kingdom, it went down to 5% of the population was involved in Sunday school. In New Zealand, it went down from 50% in 1950 to 11% in 1985. In Canada, it went down from 65% in 1931 to 27% in 2001. Sabbath school is dying in a sense. From a poll here, how many of you go to a Sabbath school where your Sabbath school is larger than your divine service uh, attendance? Please raise your hands. How many of you go to a Sabbath school that's about half the attendance of divine service? Please raise your hands. How many of you go to a Sabbath school that's about a quarter of attendance of your divine service? That is the national average in North America. It's about 25% of divine service participation. How many of you have no idea? Please raise your hands. How many of you do not go to Sabbath school? Please raise your hands. Okay, and, there, and that's the reality. That's there, there, you are part of the 75% that's not coming. Okay, some of you are. So this is where we are. And this, I want to ask you the question to all of you is this. Why is Sabbath school dying? Maybe I'm getting easier. That's, like, that's, a top, that's, that's the, the whole point. So let me ask, and then we'll start easy, and we'll get into it. Um, man, why is Sabbath school so bad? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, we're going to go there, right? Well... Not your churches, not but my church. in churches in general. In general. Uh, why yeah. are there, some of them are so bad? We can share some stories, but not too long. But just, you know, I'm sure you all have your own stories. And, and uh, yeah, but Siku. I mean, the stereotypical, the stereotypical boring Sabbath school is let's read Monday, right? We well, start with Sunday. 
no, no, no. But usually start, Bob's never they, there. He's always start, late for church, so you skip to skip they start over Sunday with to Sabbath afternoon, yeah. right? Yeah, and you read Sabbath like the quote on That's Sabbath right. afternoon, and then who memorized the memory verse? And nobody raises their hand. And so the teacher who did not memorize the memory verse either <laughs> reads it from the quarterly. And then they keep on reading. And then it's like, okay, like, why Sunday. Why do you read the memory verse? It's not the memory. That's called the reading verse, right? <laughs> so it just defeats the purpose altogether. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like, hey, sometimes I can read better than the person who's reading up front. Indeed. So I'm not going to go to Sabbath school to hear somebody read and they don't even read in an engaging way. Yes. So... How many of you Sabbath guys go dies. to a Sabbath school where, and this is the adult Sabbath school, where they actually read through the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Raise your hands. Okay. Confession <laughs> or calling your, your church out. Okay. Um, Jonathan. Um, <clears throat> one, of, one of the worst things for me in Sabbath school is when we go through the entire time of Sabbath school uh, and we don't open the Bible once. Mm-hmm. Ever, ever had that? There's nothing worse than that to me. Um, it, it, when, we, when we are studying a biblical topic and we're just giving opinions, if, if anything at all, but we have not opened, cracked the Bible at all. I can all. tell you something worse. Go ahead. Okay. okay. Something worse than that is not only are we just reading it and we never read the Bible, reading the, the Bible study guide and we never open the Bible, is when the class starts arguing about what the author of the Bible study guide meant. Right? It's like, no, they said this on Tuesday and they meant this. No, they meant this. And it's like, dude, like, who cares? Like, what does the Bible say? So I think that is worse than just yes. not well, I got something worse. Like, I went to really? <laughs> a Sabbath school class and they said, we're not even going to look at the Sabbath school class. We're going to talk about when the National Sunday Law is going to happen. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, we're in Ecclesiastes. And how do you go from Ecclesiastes <laughs> to okay, National okay, Sunday worse. Law? You take the cake. And then they were like, there's different theories. I'm like, this has nothing to do with anything. I mean, it's important topic yeah but it definitely freaked me out at five uh, nine nine thirty in the morning okay. and they were all wrong <laughs> because one involved prince charles with, with the national sunday what? law yeah does anyone have a story worse than that no that that's oh, what there are there are, there, are, there are there are so there are some bad stories and these bad stories are not to make fun of kind of but it is it is humorous there are these bad experiences nonetheless um why is the two parties are at fault um there's a problem with the attendees that come to Sabbath school, and then there's also a, a problem with the... Is it my fault that they're talking about the National Sunday Law? It is your fault. Okay, why yeah. is it my fault? Are you an attendee? Yeah. All right, so that's why it's your fault, because you're the one that wrote this down here, so I'm going... <laughs> yeah, he gave well, me the, the notes. Question is the question is this. So Who's the problem, the, the attendee or the leadership? Yes, yeah, so you, to, to, you, you told me to say the attendee and the leadership. So, no, I'm just kidding. He didn't tell me that. But I'm saying that. So I think there's two, two, two reasons why the two people are the problem. From an attendee perspective, I think the, the reason why we're the problem as attendees to Sabbath school is because we don't study the Sabbath school. And, uh, and so we're expecting this is the, the – f- Oh, you're saying we in a general sense. We yeah. generally do not study right. the Sabbath school. Generally That's why speaking. we're the problem. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. So generally speaking, we have – this is kind of what happens. I, throughout the week, I have not studied the Sabbath school. Lesson. Lesson. Uh, I, I come to a church, and then I'm expecting, even though I have not done my job, I'm expecting for someone to now make up for my sins and then, and then teach me something I did not know, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm the problem because I'm, not, I'm, coming to the, I'm coming to this contract, I'm coming to this meeting that we've agreed that you're going to teach, I'm going to study, and I have not done my part. And so I'm blasting the Sabbath school teacher for doing all they, all they, uh, all they can to be prepared to teach the Sabbath school. Now, granted, you know, whatever, right? We're going to come to the teacher in a little bit. But they're, they're, I'm, I'm coming to this thing already unprepared for for this meeting and i'm expecting a miracle to happen i'm expecting even though i'm not prepared i'm expecting for me to pass the test right so this is unreasonable we have as attendees we have unreasonable expectations of so sabbath high expectations and then contribution is very low no commitment yep, yes no commitment now the teachers uh uh, the, the the challenge leadership. that they, the leadership presents uh, when it comes to Sabbath school is that it is extremely challenging. It's an extremely cha- it's probably one of the most challenging things that we do on Sabbath uh, mornings. Right? Nobody wants to take the Sabbath school. 
right? That's something that you get bullied on by the pastor, right? You know, uh, you, get, you just get that thing dropped on you for not showing up to nominating committee. So um, now that, so it, you know, truth be told, Sabbath school is a very challenging thing because you, like you said earlier, you punish the people who studied the lesson by reading through it again, and, uh, and then the people who um, didn't study the lesson are, gonna, are the ones that are asking questions that if they just read the lesson, they wouldn't be asking those questions, right? So it is a challenging thing. But as teachers, the challenge that we have and the problem that or the leadership brings to the Sabbath school is that we think that the delivery of the text, we think that just sharing what the author has said is enough. It's, it, we're doing our job by just sharing that. Where in reality, the job of the teacher should be to spend the week thinking to themselves, how am I going to structure the texts that we've looked at and engage the group in, in studying and using these as a skeleton to, to get further insights and not to recite the insights that the Sabbath school author has said. In reality, the, the insights that the author has, has, has provided for us they're not the conclusion of, of where we're supposed to arrive, but they're simply the skeleton that we use in order for us to, to be able to, to, to have guides during our uh, Sabbath school time. And I do want to, I know I'm taking a lot of time, but I do want to share, um, I want to share a, a story, an experience. Uh, before Jonathan was in, uh, in, in Grand Haven, he was actually uh, uh, an associate pastor at my church, and his job was to do the Sabbath school class. And Jonathan came every, every uh, Sabbath morning, and I don't ever remember even opening the Sabbath school lesson. He would put the text from the lesson up on the board. He would write down the ideas or topics. This is what, you know, this text is uh, generally about. And he would get insights from the congregation regarding these texts. We never even opened the Sabbath school lesson. He just had that, he provided that on the board for us. And that ended up being one of the most uh, beautiful experiences for Sabbath school, because whether you studied the Sabbath school lesson or not, you felt that you were able to, con to contribute right then and there. There's no use in punishing the sinner for not studying their lesson on Sabbath morning, right? And it's almost like we do that as teachers. Who knows their memory verse? And then you're just waiting for someone to say, all right, recite it for us. To make sure they're not lying, right? And and uh, and and it's another and, way you punish the one that, yeah, that did the work, right, and you're right, rewarding yeah, those. Well, you're who testing, did you're it testing is, them, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So you want you want to make sure that this is a time when everybody can contribute, and that's what I've appreciated about uh, the way that that you did Sabbath school, Jonathan, because it it allows for the the sinner and the saint to be able to come and receive a blessing at that. Uh, so I think that's where you know I'd, the two challenges come. I'd go one one. Um one removed from the teacher, actually, there's, there's a position called the Sabbath school superintendent. And the Sabbath school superintendent is supposed to oversee the life of Sabbath school. Yes. So it's kind of like your principal at the school, yes. Yes. right? I kind of feel bad that, you know, teachers get a bad rap because um, a lot of Sabbath school teachers have no teacher training. Yes. Right? They, no training in how to, how to engage a student, you know, let alone teach a Sabbath school, you know, and, and week after week they're supposed to whip out this miracle, you say, right? Um, but I, the, the part of the role of a superintendent is to give the training to teachers to help them to be effective teachers in the Sabbath school. Maybe something that a teacher can do is seek out the training, and I, I, I'm, I'm saying this like feeling guilty because like we need to provide like training videos for Sabbath school teachers. That's your guys' job, yeah, I know. right? I'm kind of feeling bad, like yeah. So just so, I'm but, but right need, now by my fellow <laughs> panelists here. And, no, but uh, we need we need to we need to train teachers, you know, and teachers need training like from the superintendent level and resources to so teachers know how to teach the lesson. Otherwise, we're like beating them up, and it's like not even. So nice. some of you are wondering: we have a church structure, and we have the general conference Sabbath school department, we have the division Sabbath school, we have the union Sabbath school, and the conference Sabbath school. In some way, you're wondering why there's so many levels of Sabbath school, and there are. Each area has their area area of jurisdiction. The general conference is in charge of the actual Bible study guide material. 
they are not charged of, of, of anything else. They're just creating the, the actual Bible study okay, guide. That's Thank what you. we're, that's the department that we're in, Siku. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Glad that we, we, we clarified okay. You're doing your job. In public. Okay. Um, <laughs> the, the, the divisions are in charge of translating that material and, material and contextualizing it to the local field. And the unions are in charge of training teachers for the local conferences. Okay. Now, the Sabbath school guide, this is, and I get this from Cliff Goldstein, who we work in the office together with. He says he creates this thing. It needs to be translated in over 200 languages, for, over 80 languages for 200, over 200 countries. And when it's bad, someone says, well, you wrote, wrote it really bad. You edited it really bad. The, the document can only, has a certain ceiling of which it can be effective. It's up to the teacher to make it alive for the local context. Yeah, And so what Siku is bringing out is that we need teachers who can really teach the lesson well. But often, teachers are called Friday night because, you know, Elder Joe was sick, so now we have to have someone pinch it for, for whatever. So let's go to this, this quote here, Ministry of Healing, page 149. She says this, The monotony of our service for God needs to be broken up. Every church member should be engaged in some line of service for the master. Some cannot do so much for as others, but everyone should do his utmost to roll back the tide of disease and distress that's sweeping all over our world. Many would be willing to work if they were what? Taught how to begin. They need to be instructed and encouraged. Every church should be a training school for Christian workers. Its members should be taught how to give. Bible readings. And you're like, why is it what's Bible readings? Uh, she says, I'll mention that, how to conduct and teach Sabbath school classes, how to help the poor to care for the sick, how to work for the unconverted, etc., etc. Each church is a training school. And, and Sister Siku mentioned uh, superintendents. You ever wonder what superintendents do? Sometimes they have the superintendents remark section. And we're like, what do they do? That's kind of like the pre-sermon sermon for the pre-sermon, right? Uh, that's not what it's supposed to be. The superintendent, let me ask you this. How many of you went to, I, don't, I, I didn't go to a Adventist Academy, I went to a regular school, uh, where you went to a school and then the superintendent, while you're in class, the superintendent would come into your class and they would come into the back and then the, like, and then the kids would all freak out because like, you know, an administrator is there and she would just sit in the back and then she'd take out a paper clip and then cross her legs and just sit there quietly and write down mysterious, you know, scribblings about the teacher, Yeah. And we didn't know, we thought we were being judged, but who's being judged? Teacher. The teacher's being judged. It's a superintendent's job to train the teacher. Yeah? And so there are some, I guess we're, this is a, we're not supposed to be talking about this, but we will. There are some churches that actually, with the teacher's consent and part of Sabbath school council, how many of you have heard of Sabbath school council before? Okay. That is the highest administrative body for Sabbath school. The superintendent takes a video camera, and usually it's just their phone, and put it on a tripod, and they videotape the teacher in live in class. Afterwards, they have the teacher uh, watch him or herself, and then the superintendent watches him or, or her, watches the teacher, and then they come back together and they share notes constructively on how to make the class experience better. This is one way where the teacher feels like, man, someone actually cares about how I teach and how I can be better. And it actually improves the quality of teachers because it becomes uh, teachable teachers who, be, who are teachers, not just Uncle you know, Bob who's been teaching since you know, 1844 and has his class and he will you know, never die even though you're waiting for the second coming of Jesus. So, so Siku's point, we need, we need teachers who can teach. Uh, so the part there says we need to teach people how to give Bible readings. The history of that comes about where Stephen Haskell, you all know Stephen Haskell? He's one of these pioneers' names. He did try to date Ellen White, but she said no. Uh, that's why he's really popular. His wife was 20 years older than him, and then his second wife was 20 years younger than him, so he's not been so popular with the females. Anyway, so he was hanging out, and he was uh, listening to Ellen White, and she said that we have to have less preaching and more teaching. And he actually took that seriously, and he's like, man, we need more teaching. We need more teaching. So he said, hey, how about we have a, a, a meeting, and we won't preach, and we'll just have people come up here, and then we'll ask them. You guys will all ask them questions, and we can only give a Bible answer. That's, that's the only answer we can give. And so they did it. They're going to do it for about an hour. And what happened, it started raining hard. And it rained a lot, a lot, a lot, like super, super hard so that they were stuck there. So Stephen Haskell says, uh, because of the rain, we're going to extend this for about two hours. And then for two hours, we can two and a half, three. And it got really long. But that whole afternoon, everyone loved the program and they were fixated, it, uh, fixated on it. And Sister White later found out about it. And she says that this was a heaven-born idea. 
it became uh, so popular that they created these transcripts of this Q&A sessions, right? And these Q&A sessions became, uh, were printed in a magazine called the Bible Reading Gazette. And that became a book, and that book was called, does anyone know what that book is called? Bible readings for the home circle. And now we have no idea where that book is except for Cole Porters who sell it to non-Avenists on the street, right? But that was the Bible study revolution that happened when people say, hey, it's not just about reading the question and answer, question and answer, but actually reading it, studying it for yourself, making it your own, and then teaching it in class again. So she's talking about this. We need to know the art of how to give Bible readings. Um, what is happening? Let me let me turn. Let me shift here. What is happening in North America? We're giving these these crazy stories out. Um, these, I, I visited Malawi. Uh, we went to church at eight forty-five, and I'm the main speaker. There's no seat for me. They, they didn't save a seat for me in, in the whole entire church. So I'm standing in the back with all the pregnant ladies, you know, because they have to go back and, and, and the kids who misbehave. And this is eight forty-five. Not a seat open in church. Next day, I go to somewhere in North America, I won't say where, on the eastern seaboard, and I go there. I'm there at 10.15. The superintendent isn't even there. No one is at church. And it's the greeter who's like 109 million years old, and I'm saying, hello, hello, and we're staring at each other, and I'm reading the, I read the program nine times. What is happening in North America, Europe, and Australia where, where Sabbath school is dying? Jonathan, our Austrian brother. <laughs> Well, um, I can't, I, I don't know if, if all the reasons for this, but I think one reason why people don't show up to things is because they don't value it. Um, it it's not as exciting or as important to them as other things are. Uh, on a Sabbath morning, many people want to sleep in, you know, sleep in or have yeah. some time. And, uh, and I, yeah, you know. Yeah, we got some emotional responses here about <laughs> sleeping in on Sabbath. Um, yeah. It's easier, you know, we talked about this in the first session, you know, a lot of the transition has happened from, from going to Sabbath school, just go to church service, and then some people don't even go to that because they can just live stream it. And so uh, there's a, a lot of things happening, um, but I believe one of the main points is that we don't value it because the experience maybe has not been that great because of our own expectations, and, because, and, and yet it seems like we're unwilling to be the change in the situation. Uh, we talked about this in the first session, uh, you know, when you actually engage, it's, it can be an incredible blessing. Uh, we are well, what is it about where, like, even if divine service is bad, people show up for divine service? Why is it when so, Sabbath school is bad, oh, I'm not going to show up for the first Sabbath I think Sabbath it's school. participation. Is it like God is in divine service, but he's no, not in no, Sabbath school? It's participation, because divine service, you can be, you can sit in the back, yeah. you know, and you can and stand up or not. Yeah, you can check out. You can stand up or not stand up for the opening song. You know, like you can close your eyes or not for the prayer. But in Sabbath school, like because it's a small group, it's intense. Yeah, like it, you're you're required to not sleep and snore. I mean, if you, it's you know, it's like, like well, you know, there are some people who I know, know, but like it's super embarrassing, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So yeah. it, I think it's because because Sabbath school is a more engaged experience. Yeah. Like, you have to be present for it. And if you're not trying to be present for it, you can still go to church and check it off your list of but, things but to wh do. Why, why is it the Caribbean, uh, Latin America, Africa, and their cognates in the first world, meaning Caribbean and African churches in the first world, they're, they're, they're humming. And why is it that the first world Sabbath schools are not? I, and then I, eventually, after time, even those cognate churches start dying off too. Yeah. See, yeah. I'm I'm not sure if if I'm if I should say this because I'm not trying to throw shade, right? But for some cultures, it's kind of like built into if you want to get baptized, this is this is what an Adventist looks like, right? You go to church. You better be there 8:30 for the teachers' class because we teach the teachers how to teach and the. The students are in the teacher's class to make sure the teachers know how to teach the class if they mess up, you know. And you, you're there like 9.15, song service starts. Like it's kind of like built into, um, it's like a cultural thing of Adventism, right? Um, and I'm, I, I, don't, I don't believe that it necessarily equates more holy versus less holy. The fact that you get to church at 8.30 or you get to church at 10. Um, I don't think that it necessarily means that. But I think there is a cult there is a cultural element. I think coming from my from my background, there's a cultural element to like this is what an Adventist looks like, yeah. and this is just how you do it. And that I haven't found to be the case as much here. You know, of like you're required to be there at 9:30 or whatever. It's kind of 
Okay. Yeah. So culture, culture differences, yeah. John. So uh, our, our generation is global very... North and global South represented on that side of the table. Yeah. Our, our generation, we're very individualistic, and we want our own uh, personalized experience with God. And so I think sometimes there can be a sentiment of, um, why do I need to be participating in this Sabbath school lesson that was written by somebody in the GC for the whole world? Like, why can't I just do my own thing? Uh, why can't we just, you know, t study something that I'm interested in, et cetera, et cetera? So I want my personalized, you know, uh, 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 experience. And I don't get that, so why do I need to go? So there's this, it's a very selfish thought, really. Um, but that's really, we are, we are being primed by, especially by technology these days, to become more and more selfish in our thinking. And so I want every experience in life to be personalized for me. And Sabbath school is not always that way, even though the Holy Spirit will make it personal if you let him. Uh, so it's, there's, there's a, a sense of, of where I want that certain experience, expectations that I don't get. And so why would I go? Maybe, maybe like, you know, because the culture is generally like global north versus global south. Global south tends to be more communal yeah, in the culture, yeah. you know, and um, than the global north, which tends to be more individualistic, individualistic yes. you know. So that, that might be an element. I, okay. I don't know. Israel? The devil. Yeah, I think we don't know. I think the devil. Um, uh, there's an pointing element of... There, huh? You saying the devil pointing to me? No, I'm, I'm saying I'm affirming what... This oh, is conviction. To her. Okay. Yeah, this is conviction. I was pointing to Siku. All right. Yeah. You'll be all right. You'll be all right, all right uh, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you. Um, there's the uh, laziness. I think the bottom line is just laziness. We, we just don't want to go to Sabbath schools too early, uh, no matter how late it is. Um, and then there's something else that uh, probably... To, to be fair, though, to be fair, and, and, and I do agree, there, there is a bit of laziness, but there is also, we're working six days a week, we're on part-time, overtime, no time, as, as the popular phrase is used. <laughs> uh, I mean, kids are going to soccer practice, basketball practice, then sundown is at like, you know, 3.30 in Michigan on Friday. I mean, you're Fourth, like, you know, washing those windows and, 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 dry, and you know, doing everything you got to do. And then, I mean, we were, we're studying for exams, we're not sleeping during the week. We're sleeping about two hours a week. And so when Saturday rolls around, I mean, 9.30, some, I'm, I'm not justifying, but I'm trying to be the voice of those of you who are lazy, uh, that 9.30 is, is, is a bit early. early. Well, that's what my other point. You, okay. Thank Sorry. you for segueing right into that. <laughs> the other thing is ownership. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have become, as Seventh-day Adventists, we've become consumers. Yes. And it's like church services where I go to receive what I'm looking for. And that's why I put money in that uh, offering plate. I'm paying someone to provide me a service. And I think that's what society has become, especially for our generation of, of Seventh-day Adventism, is we're expecting for people to, f to fill our needs, you know. Uh, serve us. To serve us. And, and church has become a business rather than a business that we, re that we uh, pay for, a service that we pay for, rather than something that we own. And, uh, you know, the reason why uh, someone, was, someone was saying this actually not too long ago, we're, we, we don't give those kind of excuses when we go to work, right? Oh, man, I, man I, worked, I worked four days this week already, and I had to wake up at four in the morning to make it to work. You know what? I'm just going to arrive an hour late. You know, and, but uh, they pay us. So what, what, if, what if Sabbath School started paying people to come out? Yeah, yeah, well, but yeah. You, you don't wonderful. That's don't actually what the guy the was saying. He was saying, yeah. "I bet you, if I paid you, you would you would make it." Yeah. And I thought, dude, that's so true. And as comical paid me, as roll that up. is, isn't that indicative of where our motives and our yeah, our, and, and our that means you don't recognize the value of you know of what we're going there for. And yeah. and just to go on what you were saying about how life ends up happening, and you're so exhausted by Sabbath, and it's like yes. it's a day of rest, and I just want to rest. Yes. And. This is just generally on the whole Sabbath thing. Like, we're misunderstanding what Sabbath is. Okay. Like, Sabbath is not my vacation. Mm. Like, God said, my holy day. Keep your foot from my holy day, from doing mm. your own pleasure on my holy day. Mm. But we take, sorry, okay, we take Sabbath like it's, it's, my, it's my day to rest because all week I've been breaking the temperance laws, Ooh. right? I've been sleeping late all week. So that on Sabbath, I can catch up on my sleep, mm. on my sleep, right? Mm. And God's like, yo, sleep all week. <laughs> and 
And on Sabbath, it's my day to spend with you, right? So, well, he says labor. So, yeah. <laughs> labor and sleep. Like work hard, sleep hard. Yeah. Work hard, like all week. Okay? Uh, and then yeah. on Sabbath, so we're, we're using Sabbath like it's my day to catch up on my things, you know? But yeah. that's not the purpose of Sabbath anyway in the first place. So I'm, getting, I'm going late to church because I'm focused on me. And this goes to, I mean, just, I guess it was on the selfishness thing, like a whole picture of whether it's Sabbath school or church, like, just the whole Christian experience is all about me, 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 yeah. me, 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 and what's convenient for me. I, I love uh, Jonathan's comment, and I want to ask Jonathan about the value thing. Let's bring that up in the resurrection part, because I think that's where we have to, to aim for. Mm-hmm. And uh, something that Israel said, which I think hits all of us here at GYC, uh, that I really want to underscore, is that the one way to kill church and, 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 and all of it all together is to espouse the idea of how well this serve me like to have that mentality will kill everything in north america and that was the mentality that i would say that when israel and i when we started gyc that's the mentality that i had that when i out of the 20 young people at church 19 of them left the church and i was the only one left and i asked how will the church get these 19 kids back what will my pastor do to get my 19 friends back what will the elders do? What's their plan? What will they do to get me to come back to church? And that mentality, and even some pastors who subscribe to that mentality and try to meet that mentality, is what's killing the church. But GYC was saying, no, not what they, they're going to do what they got to do, but what can I do? And so when we started GYC, we're like, man, we'll be lucky if, I remember having this conversation, with him, we'll be lucky if 50 people show up. Like, I don't even know if I have 50 friends. I know he has 50 friends, but I don't, I don't know if I have 50 friends. I may have, like, like two, you know, and one's not human. So uh, we, we're praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And the first year we had, what, 200 people show up and 400 people show up on Sabbath. And that, we thought 400 was, like, the world population that showed up at our front door. I mean, people were sleeping in bathtubs, right? Remember that, that whatever. I mean, that, that just sounds really bad, but that's what was happening. And here we are, and then this GYC is not, it's not about the conference, it's not about the names, it's about inspiring young people to say, hey, what, do, what can I do about this problem? And then we're bringing this issue to the Sabbath school issue. So you, we've had horrible Sabbath schools. And yeah, we can point the finger for fun, yeah, 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 yeah. But at the end of the day, that finger has to come back, back to us. What do we have to do? John. Um, Israel, are you going to say something? I can after you. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, we can't talk about, in the, in the, about the value and so on in the next session. Um, but one thing I want to bring up is I think another aspect of why we might not uh, uh, be interested in, in engaging in Sabbath school is because we don't want um, uh, to grapple with, with the Word of God. Um, it's hard sometimes to study the Word of God. And that can be uh, demotivating. We are not... You know, we might not even read the Bibles on our own, but if we do, um, still, it can be a challenge sometimes to, okay, we're going to study this. And I think this is going to be a challenge for teachers especially. Uh, if they don't know what the text actually is trying to say, if they're struggling with that, they will then just read the Sabbath school to you because that's the easiest thing to do. And unfortunately, I'm not meaning to blast the editors or whoever of the Sabbath school, but sometimes... Even a Sabbath school lesson can be a little boring because you have the question and then you don't really want to think about the answer because the answer is literally in the next line. And so it's like we are not, uh, and there are solutions to that, and we're going to share with you soon about that. But there's, um, uh, there is a definitely an element of we are not really engaging with the text. I think one of the key elements to reviving, and we can talk about the next session, is, is when we actually study the Bible, it will... I mean, those experiences I've had, when, I, when we actually studied the Bible, I was like, wow, you know, this was amazing. I want more of that. I started valuing it, and I would come back. Hey, I want to uh, piggyback and read this quote to you. I know it's a long quote, but it's a very powerful one when it came across. I'm not going to read all of it, but it says this. Parents should search the scriptures with their... They should become familiar with the lessons themselves, that they can assist their children in learning them. Every day, some portion of time should be approached to the study of the lessons, not in merely learning, the, in learning to mechanically repeat the words, but while the mind does not comprehend the meaning, but to go to the very foundation and become familiar with what is brought out in the lesson. 
get this, the indifference of the children in very many cases, he doesn't say in every case, but in the majority of cases, is what? Chargeable to the? Pretty crazy, huh? They are indifferent. And the children catch the same spirit. If parents show that they attach importance to the Sabbath school by giving it respect and prominence, the children will generally, what, what, what? Copy their example. So I surmise that in maybe in the global north, we have encountered this a couple generations out. Yes? One generation of the 70s really didn't, didn't take uh, scripture seriously. They stopped coming out to institutions such as Sabbath school. And now we, the next generation, are like, well, the previous generation didn't really take it seriously. We don't have to take it as seriously as they do. It becomes a generational thing. Israel. I've been uh, wanting to share this probably since uh, the first session, so I want to share this from the Bible. It's in First uh, John chapter 1. And it's, it's profound because it speaks about... Uh, I think it speaks about the importance of what Sabbath school ought to be, okay. and also will give us insights into why it's not what it, what it ought first to be. 1 John chapter 1. This is the first Bible verse that we've looked at today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. And then it says, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, bear witness, and show unto you the eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. So here you have John writing his epistle, and he's saying, we're sharing with you, this is what we're sharing with you. He's saying, we're sharing with you something that we have heard, which we have seen with, and it says there, with our eyes. And a couple of things that are profound here is, first of all, the fact that they're sharing uh, an experience, and secondly, that this is, it's using the plural, not the singular. John is not saying, even though he's writing it, He's saying, this is not what I'm sharing with you, but this is what we're sharing with you. So there's a community there. He says, that, that which we have seen with our eyes, and it says, which we have looked upon and handled of the word of life. That's speaking about Jesus Christ. If you, if you look at the words that John is using there, he's using words that denote uh, intimacy, right? He's basically saying that he was so close to Jesus that his hands could handle him. Right? So that's very different from something that you can hear because someone can hear our voice outside. Right? Someone can look. You know, you, could, you know how sometimes you're walking by something and then you, it catches your eye, but you're, you're driving and you don't want to crash, so you keep on look, keeping your eyes on the road? He's saying that's, we didn't even just see it, but we looked upon. Like looking upon something is like focusing on something. Not looking on, at something by accident, but intentionally looking at something. And he says, but that's not what our experience was. Our experience was that we were so close to Jesus that our hands literally handled the word of life. And he's saying, this is what we as a community are uh, declaring unto you. And then in verse 3, it says, that which we have seen, which we have heard, declare we unto you. And it says, notice what it says, that you may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. Something that really, really struck me here is the fact that fellowship has, you know, received a negative, uh, you know, um, uh, reputation. We think that, man, you know, fellowship, we, we need to do something better with our time. But the reason why, here what it's saying is fellowship is actually a Christian attribute. Like fellowship, and here's why, because fellowship can only take place... If there's an encounter personally with Jesus Christ. In other words, if we get together and we are not personally encountering Jesus Christ, we're not experiencing fellowship. That's not fellowship. Right? So fellowship is dependent or requires the individual connection with Jesus Christ. What has happened, and here to go back, uh, this to me is the classic Sabbath school text. Maybe you can take that up to General Conference with you and send us a check for this, right? This is a classic Sabbath. This is what Sabbath school is all about. Fellowship, declaring the word of life, experiencing, first of all, individually and then collectively as a group of people. It, it, it denotes, uh, it, talks, it speaks about mission. We're sharing with you what we've experienced. The reason why we don't have the fellowship, the reason why we don't have the result of First John uh, 1, whatever, is because we're not experiencing this text. 
right? We come to Sabbath school and we're not experiencing this sex. We're experiencing something else. And even though we're experiencing something else, we're trying to get the same result. We're trying to get the result of what the text is trying to share with us without experiencing what the text is telling us to experience. And so what do we do? What you said a little bit ago, which I want to come back to, this is what led me to this, is the mentality. The mentality that we have in the church today is not only being fed by the, the people that are not experiencing their, their walk with Christ, but also as church leaders, as pastors, and whoever, whatever church leadership position you hold, we feed that mentality when we look at the individual that, that, that is not converted, and we cater to them where they're at instead of challenging them to come where they ought to be. And that's what you're trying to say with the mentality, right? As ministers, we cater to that mentality of consumerism. We treat you as though you are here and we are actually providing for you a service. Instead of saying, no, I'm going to smack you in the back of the head, you're at the wrong place. You have this thing the wrong way. I need to get you. Actually speaking, right? Depends on how, you know, okay. depends. Yeah, depends on where you live. I guess depends on where you live, right? Well, so, not the global north. Yeah, all right. So, the, the, you know, the, the, we need to get these people, our, we need to get our people and ourselves to experience First John 1. Mm -hmm. This is the only solution to throwing an atomic bomb on this idea that church is Walmart. And when the prices are not low enough, we get upset as though we deserve something better. We need to change that mentality. And until we experience 1 John chapter 1, we're not going to get the results of 1 John chapter 1. Well said, well said. You, you guys catch that? I mean, let me just re recap. We don't experience fellowship with God in a really organic, you know, raw way during the week. And we expect to reproduce that in a, in a Sabbath school on Saturday morning. Yeah, or we expect the result of what the disciples got. You know, we want like, we want an, uh, an axe church. Yeah. You know? But we don't have the Acts characters. Let me read uh, Ministry of Healing, page 151. Many professed Christians in seeking church relationship think only of who? Themselves. They wish to enjoy church fellowship and pastoral care. They become members of large and prosperous churches are content and are content to do little for others. In this way, they are robbing themselves of the most precious blessings. Many would be greatly benefited by sacrificing their pleasant, ease-conducing associations. They need to go where their energies will be called out in Christian work, and they can learn to bear responsibility. Man, that's a perfect quote. The timing of that was perfect. Um, how many of you want that in your local churches? Uh, you, you do realize if you raise your, raise your hand, you know what you're, you're asking for. You're asking for church drama. Uh, but that church, I mean, this is something that, oh, that's, that's church politics, that's church drama. If your motives are right and your objective is clear, it's not church drama. It's not church politics. It's trying to do the will of heaven and the objective, the purpose of church for church. But if you're just doing it for any other purpose, then it becomes drama and becomes selfish and all these things. But the, the hardship still, still remains. Jonathan, you said, mm-hmm? I said, oh. mm-hmm. Okay, Amen. Uh, I want to go through this. What are some, some tactics of not to do? And I love this because Ellen White, she, she called people out on this. Um, you guys ready for this one? This one, this one blew my, my top, okay? In some schools, I'm sorry to say, the custom sheet prevails of reading the lesson from the lesson sheet. This should what? <laughs> like I've given this presentation somewhere else, and someone said, dude, I need that quote, and I need to read it in my church because everyone reads from their, their, their Sabbath school lesson. And she says, it need not be. If the time that is often needlessly and even sinfully employed were given to the study of scriptures, there is no reason why Sabbath school lessons should be less perfectly learned by teachers and pupils than our lessons of the day school. They should be better learned as they treat the subjects infinitely more important. A neglect here is displeasing to God. And I would say this, that when we are using the, if you use the adult Bible study guide, do not use the adult Bible study guide. It is a guide for during the week, and on Sabbath, just open your Bible, Bible and, 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 and use the Bible for it. And that's, that's the Jonathan uh, Walter method. Yeah. I don't know if they coined that for, for you. By the way, Secret just stepped out because she has children and she needs to do that intermittently. So just, she, she wasn't raptured, just in case you were wondering about your theology. It's, it's wrong. Okay. 
Um, any, any other uh, uh, conclusions you want to uh, mention before we conclude here? Any other stories about the death of Sabbath school? I really want to get to resurrection because this is way, we talked about the ideals and we kind of made fun of Sabbath school and now we want to get into the practicals on how to actually get, make it better. But any, any questions that you may have from the floor before we end this session about Sabbath school? Yes, ma'am. Sister. So, uh, Sister brought up a good question about how do you help people have had a rough week, especially in the context of mental health, and, and what the local church, what can the local church do? I, I'm going to give my answer, and then you guys can chip in if you want to, uh, Israel does. Um, I will give you an answer that will not be satisfying, but I think it is the right answer. Um, when it comes to public formats such as this, we have to give the, the principles and the guidelines and the, 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 the fun component, if I can use that word, is how do we take these large principles and we apply them in the local context? Um, this is what makes the Seventh-day Adventist Church a Protestant denomination, is we get the principles from Scripture, and it's up to the individual to apply them. This application does not happen in other denominations or some of the other denominations, even in the Catholic interpretation is, you know, I don't want to contextualize. I don't want to apply I just want to ask my priest, what should I do? The priest communicates with God, gives an answer, and I just have to do it. And if, if it's right, then the priest is right. If it's wrong, then I must have applied it wrong, right? That's, that's the Catholic method. So I, it's not to discount your situation, but I think the beauty of the Adventist church is you have a, a Sabbath school council, you have some Sabbath school classes, and this class gets together and they pray about this situation. And God reveals through Scripture, through the Holy Spirit, of that particular context that he doesn't show anyone else. Uh, and we have a situation in our local church where we have someone who has um, autism. And the child just is, has, has episodes. Uh, we didn't know what to do. We went, into, we went asking all around. No one really knows. We prayed, we, we got together, and uh, we found another family who has kids with autism. We found out that maybe some of these uh, kids who have autism, especially high-functioning, they need to have a familiar environment for them to not act out. So we opened the church Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. The family came in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They, and then we have different churches, different family members help them with the process. And when they come in on Saturday, the kid is like, oh, I already know this place. And then they have a better experience. It hasn't solved the problem but it becomes a better situation. But even though it's a hard, it's hardship, it's an opportunity for the local church to come together and to solve it together. And it's become a beautiful experience in a sense. Israel. Yeah, to add to that, I would say, uh, just from a different perspective, probably the same thing is, um, there's a lot to be said about caring. The, and, the, you know, the challenge that we face in most of our churches, which one of the goals of Sabbath School is to, to create fellowship, is we just... We don't really care for people. I think that's the human, I mean, if you think about it, that's just the, the problem that all of us face. We just don't care. Uh, there's, or I, I guess what I should say is, because that's too, too much, there's limit to our caring, right? Uh, and we have to understand that that person, the people that God has put in our sphere of influence in our churches, that's been done intentionally right? God has done that. It's not like those people had nowhere else to live and so they ended up there. And God has literally put the people in our sphere of influence that he knows we can care for. And so um, the purpose of, of Sabbath school, which I think it's important for us to not lose sight of, is yeah, the study of scripture is critical and we do go to Sabbath school to study the Bible, but that's not the only reason we go there. We also go there 
for fellowship. What does that mean practically? That means that when I go to my Sabbath school class, I shouldn't sit away from people because I'm trying to study the Bible and it's a, a, a teacher and student encounter. But I should be there to think, thinking to myself, who here can I make friends with, right? Who here can I establish relationships with? Why is that important? Because there's something that we will do for our friends that we will not do for other people. And if we make it a habit to make friends with the people that we have, then two things are going to happen. Number one, that limit that we have of helping people is going to increase. We're going to be willing to do much more for people than we do. And secondly, people with all their baggage, and all of us have baggage, but people with their baggage will feel more comfortable in coming and having their baggage displayed before uh, a pu in public. And so that is something that I think will... That, that's what I think in my mind that's the missing link is that we just, I'm a selfish person. I don't care enough about other people. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm glad that that's not me. I'm glad that those kids are not my kids. And I don't have to sit there and struggle with them through church service or through Sabbath school. I'm glad that God gave me kids that can sit down in church and listen to the sermon. And poor, poor lady or poor man that has to take care of, Lord help them, right? That's just saying in a Christian way, I don't really care. And so, but we would care if that was our child, or we, we would care if that was the child of my brother or my sister. And so part of that, we need to get closer to the people. Sabbath school is not just designed to teach the lesson, but to allow for relationships to build. And secondly, once those relationships build, uh, in my mind, there's a group of people that I feel so comfortable with that I would be willing to have even the most, uh, the deepest parts of my being exposed because I know that even if they discover the worst of who I am, they would still love me and care for me and bring me back to where I need to be. And that can only take place through close connections. And so those Sabbath school classes, we can't do, you know, we, we're not going to be theologians. We can't break down the lesson as well as we maybe think we should, but we can make friends with people and we can provide an environment where the worst person could come in, they can feel welcome there. Who else? Yes, sister. Yeah, great question. Uh, I think that's a great question for your local Sabbath school council to, to, to address. Uh, you, you know the finances of your local church. You know the resources of your local church. I mean, off the top of my mind, I would just teach them how to read. That's what Sunday school was originally designed to do as an education system. Um, we, when I was a missionary in South Korea, we taught uh, illegal immigrants in, in Korea to learn Korean. And that was one way to get accustomed to the culture and to, to help them survive. Uh, but literacy, the goal of literacy is really to learn how to read the Bible. So it's, well, I don't know if your church has the resources for that, and you'd be the best to, to know that. Jonathan? Um, that is not an answer to this question. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but kind of uh, going off what Israel was talking about in the end here, I think Sabbath school, the place of fellowship, can be a place of vulnerability. Um, it should be a place of, where we can be vulnerable with each other. But that will only happen if you make a personal choice to connect with other people. Um, I will not feel comfortable sharing with you, you know, the, 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 the bad sides of myself that I need help with and prayer for if, if you don't know me, if you, you know, if you, if you don't care. And so I just want to encourage you um, in your Sabbath school, if that's not a place where you can be vulnerable with people, you, you start that. Try to talk to people. Try to build friendships with them. Even with those you, you might not feel inclined to have a friendship with, be cross-generational, you know, like... Be okay with having a friend who's 60 years older than you. That's cool. And, and, uh, and when we build these relationships, we can be vulnerable with each other. Then coming to Sabbath school, we'll you know, have more value and so on. And we, we'll, have, we'll feel it as a place where we can share uh, beyond the text. We can share about you know, what, what these things mean in our life, et cetera, et cetera. How many of you resonate with what Jonathan's saying? Do you want a space for, for vulnerability and authenticity? These are words that sound nice, yes, but I, I, let, me, I, let me just play the counterpart to, to Jonathan, which I usually do, uh, is 
I mean, I, sometimes I don't want to be, uh, you know, go into a place and be like, man, they're, they're sharing all their problems. I'm like, oh, man, I got enough of my problems. I got to talk to here about your problems. Well, I mean, should Sabbath school be a place for that? Well, I think if you can't do that, if you're if that's if if you're meeting once a week, that's never going to happen. I'm never going to go to a place where I'm meeting someone once a week, and then have a therapy session. That's what it's going to feel like. If and Sabbath school is not just designed to meet on Sabbath, right? The idea is that there's community taking place throughout the week, and so that's the only the only. Y'all, place y'all I would catch happen. that? He just said it in passing. Yeah, Sabbath school is not just meeting in Sabbath school once a week. Y'all, y'all catch that? It should be actually the teacher should be teaching all, uh, should be visiting his or her, all of her students throughout the week. Even the children's ministry teachers should be visiting teach the, the kids and their parents, whether they're Adventist or not, all throughout the week. This is the fabric, the building blocks for the local church. But if that's not happening, that's once a week, then it becomes like, man, I don't know you. And it's not just, it's not just uh, the, the visiting, it's the engagement of mission. When we, we talk about the yes. first session, if you have a, a mission field, that neighborhood that you adopted, or that missing member you need to visit or engage with, that's the stuff you do throughout the week, not on Sabbath. We try to cram everything into Sabbath. That's one of my, the, the worst things for me. Uh, <clears throat> you're poor pastors. I have to, I have to really say that. Like, you, they get worked over on Sabbaths. You, you think the pastor's not doing anything throughout the week. They are. But on Sabbath, it's intense. If everything is squeezed into Sabbath, because we have to have all the meetings and everything, uh, Sabbath after potluck and then, you know, and so on. But we, we, when we make church life, the mission of the church, uh, priority, um, we can a lot time throughout the week beyond, you know, maybe midway, midweek prayer meeting. Uh, and that will, that will bring life and purpose to your experience uh, you will want to engage in your Sabbath school, with your Sabbath school. Your Sabbath school becomes the, the, the sub-team of the, of the local church that, that does a lot of stuff. So and I've noticed that as we visit more people throughout the week, then it becomes more easier to talk to them about different things. And then, I don't people have visited me during the week, and I've, I've, it's not on Sabbath morning. I don't want to share my problems, but if they're in my home, man, I want them to pray for me, and we have those, those intimate contacts. And then Sabbath school becomes a more, more of a, there's an impetus for me to go out and, and, and teach out there. So, Israel. I want to share something uh, that might be helpful for my sister here. Um, the, I treat Sabbath school, the quarterly, as ideas of what, what the Lord can use to get my mind thinking. And so there's a lot of texts that are shared within that quarterly. No one says it's not a law that we have to share everything that is shared in that, you know, uh, with the group, with the, with the Bible uh, on Sabbath. You know what I'm saying. Uh, all right, so, but I, I, would, I would think to myself, is there one text that summarizes or that, that is the, the critical text of the lesson? Is there one theme that emerges? Can I share one, can we focus on one, on, on one specific verse in Scripture? And I would challenge myself as a teacher to, to teach in that way. When the people come on Sabbath, uh, address one text. This is, this is how we did it at home with our kids before they learned how to read. I would read the text. Listen closely to what I'm saying. I'm going to repeat it four times, five times. Can you repeat it back? And then after, they, after it's in, in the mind, then what, what strikes you from this? And it puts more pressure. It puts, more, it puts a heavier burden on us to be able to teach more effectively. But many times, one text well-studied will actually be more beneficial than a lot of texts lightly studied. And there have been many times when I've looked at texts that I've known for a long, long time, and I try to share them with my children who do not know how to read or did not know how to read at that that time. And as I'm sharing and trying to explain it to them, I realize that I'm gaining new insights. The Bible is infinite in, in its ability to, to, to speak to us. And so I would, I, would do that. I would distill the amount of passages, and then I would discuss word by word what role does this word play in the understanding of the text. And, and lastly, but most importantly, how does this apply to me right now? That would be what, something that I would consider. question I have for you all is this. How many of you want to see... The stop of the death of Sabbath school. And we established today in our second session that Sabbath school is dying because many people have forgotten what the purpose of Sabbath school is. Yes? 
So I want to really revitalize and revivify the three values of Sabbath school, and let's be a stopgap to that death. In our next session, we're going to look at, now we're going to get into the practicals and the know-how. This is the fun part. Uh, we, took that, we looked at the ideals. We kind of made fun of Sabbath school and why it's dying. And now, what can we do to, to help that, uh, to turn that tide, especially in North America and the American context? Have you been, been blessed this, uh, this session? Amen? Let's pray together. Father, as my brothers and sisters are dis, dis, uh, dismissed, uh, Lord, we ask that you may deepen our burden for Sabbath school, that it may become heavier, that we are driven to the foot of the cross for answers and for help and for power. Father, we ask for a revitalization of this wonderful uh, program, not just for the program and institutional value, but for its evangelistic potential, for its missiological potential, and its, and its potential to change hearts. Father, we ask to stop Sabbath school from dying in our lifetime. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take a sacrificial initiative for Christ. To download other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.